Okay. What I want to do today, this week and next week, I want to take a couple of weeks at the beginning of the year to look back, because I want to make sure we do that as a church, so we're looking back and we're thankful for what God has done. So I want to take some time to do that this morning. I want to remind us where we're going generally as a church, what God's called us to, that I I try and restate regularly to remind us the kind of path God has set this church on. But also next week, what I want to look at is some specific things I think God has called us to this year, 2015, and actually look at them and unpack them, some things that God has been speaking to us. So I want to do some stuff this week, and I'll do some stuff next week that hopefully will set us on the course for this year. Um, This is why I think it's great that we come together and pray beginning of the year this Wednesday, please get to that meeting. It'll be an awesome time. We're going to pray into some of the things God has called us to, and then hopefully I'll, I'll lay them out next Sunday so we're kind of all clear, and we'll be looking forward to what's going to happen in 2015. But let's um, look back um, for what's gone on this year. I hope that when you reflect back on the last year, you're thankful for what God has done in your life. I hope you're thankful for what God has done and this church, because when I started to reflect back and look at some of the things that I've that God has done in this church. The list just started getting longer and longer. And to my shame, I realized the more I thought about it and the more I wrote down, the more I'd forgotten. Because <laughs> you can't think and you're thinking, and then you go through your diary and you look at stuff and you think, man, there's a lot in there. And when I went back to January last year, January is a long time, it's a year ago. And I just thought, there's so much that has happened that I'd just forgotten about. And I hadn't given time to be thankful to God. So my, heart, my hope this this morning and what we... What I talk about is it will produce a heart of thankfulness in us on all that God has done. I know there is much more that he's going to do, but it's, it's good to take time to reflect back and think, God, you have been amazing to us as a people over the last 12 months, and we just want to celebrate in that. So hopefully by the time we get to kind of the end of the sermon, you'll be in that place of there's lots to thank God about, and then we'll have a time of worship, and the kids will come back in, and we will be a thankful people for all the wondrous things God has done for us. But let me quickly remind you where we are as a church, where we're going, what we're about, just so we're on the same page. I restate this regularly because I know we forget. Life crowds in, things come in our mind, and, and we're, just, we're trying to do the day-to-day. We can often forget kind of what God's called us to as a people. So I want to make a time to remind us. The first thing is what we're about as a people, what our purpose is, which is on the banner here, which we see every week. I want to do it one week. I want to turn it around and see who can recite it. Wouldn't that be funny? To say, it's there every week, we get to read it, but actually, do we kind of, are we, are we living it? This is what God's called us to as a people. This is our purpose. This is our, when we, we started the church, it was four years ago, actually. According to my diary, it's probably about just four years and seven days ago, or almost just under seven days, we've been going as a church. This is what we felt God called us to as a people. This is our purpose. This is where we were going, what it was all about. It was all about Jesus, and we wrote this statement down that said, we believe real life is having a relationship with Jesus, following the example of Jesus, and changing our world with Jesus. To sum it up, we're all about Jesus. We're all about making his name known, making his name glorious. We believe what the Bible says about Jesus. We believe that he is God the Son. He is the eternal word of God who came to earth as a man. We believe he was born of a virgin. We believe he lived, grew up as a man, but he was sinless in every way. He never did anything wrong to offend his Father in heaven. He was both fully God and fully man. He, the things the Bible says about him, we believe he, he, he performed those miracles. He spoke those incredible words that are still changing lives even now, thousands of years later. We believe he died a horrific death on the cross, and he was dead, and he was put into a tomb. But then three days later, he rose bodily from death, 
in a resurrected, glorified body and appear to his followers. We believe he commissioned his followers to go and preach the good news about him to all the world, of which we are kind of part of that legacy now. We believe he rose, he, he rose bodily to heaven and he is ruling and reigning in authority there. And one day he will return to judge all mankind. We believe that about Jesus. We believe that he, his life is the life for this world. We believe history is his story. It's all about him. And that is why we're here and that is our purpose. That's what we're about. We're about making Jesus known. And as a church, we began four years ago our kind of our formal public meetings. There were eight adults and a child that began Real Life Church. Please look around now and think about the mayhem that's going on in the, out in the back. We have grown somewhat in that. We, were, we started in a small community hall over in Bannersgate, over the other side of town. We then moved to the girls' school towards the center of town, and then we came here um, just, I think it's just over about two years ago now, and we've been meeting here in the youth center, and God has been adding to us, and we have been kind of um, making the name of Jesus known in every possible way. So that is what we're about as a church, and that is what we will always be about, Jesus, making his name known. But where are we going? We want to be about Jesus, but what's God called us to? Well, our vision, which we write up over here, so you've got up every week to remind yourself. We believe God called us to, as a church, to be three things, to be a large, influential, reproducing church. We believe, we believe that from conviction, from looking at his word in the Bible, plus some specific things he spoke to us as a people and said, actually, I want this just for you. This is your kind of particular flavor, if you will. If you go to many churches, they've got different flavors, different looks. They all love the same God. They all worship Jesus. But depending on their context, depending on the makeup of the people, depending on where they are, kind of which city, which town they are in the earth, um, they look slightly different. They have different flavors. And this is what we believe God's called us to. The first thing is I believe God wants Real Life Church to be a large church. The story of the Bible, the whole story, the meta-narrative, the big picture of the Bible is God wanting a people for himself. He, he started in the beginning and he created man. And he said, man's not good to be alone. Well, I'll create woman to be with man. And then he says to them, go fulfill the earth. I've made this earth, fill it multiply, increase in number and subdue the earth and rule it and just take what I've done and kind of just, and just rule over it and be kind of enjoy my creation. That was his heart. That was his purpose. It all went wrong. Genesis chapter 3, two chapters in, everything went wrong. Man rebelled and said, no, we want to be in charge, God. And everything shattered at that point. Sin affected everything. It affected man's relationship with God, man's relationship with woman, man's relationship with other man, man's relationship with work and creation. Everything was broken. But God's still heart was to have a people for himself. So he gets Abraham. He says, Abraham, you're going to be mine, and I'm going to multiply your descendants, and they're going to bless the nations of the world. And your descendants will be like the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. You won't be able to number them. There'll be so many, and it'll be a blessing to the nations of the world. And he promised that. And then Abraham has a son, Isaac, the son of promise, who has a son, Jacob, who has 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel, who then go down to Egypt, and they multiply. And suddenly, wow, there's a million plus of these people. They then come out of Egypt, out of slavery under Moses. They enter the promised land in Joshua, which is the same land that God had promised to Abraham. They then settle in the land. They multiply. They become a kingdom under the kings. You've got Saul and then David and then Solomon, this great mighty nation who would worship God and be his people. But within that, there was also the prophetic voices that came that said, actually, it's not just going to be you. It's not going to be this ethnic group, the Jews. It's not going to be them. It's going to be something bigger. It's going to be something more. Isaiah says there's going to be a mountain will come up and the nations will stream to it. 
It's not just going to be you, it's going to be more than you. The nations will go out. And we see that. We see people coming, even to Solomon. The Queen of Sheba came to listen to Solomon for his wisdom. There are people in the story, in the descendants of Christ, who are not of the ethnic tribe. Jews, they come in, but they become part of the story of what God's doing. And then Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus comes on the scene. He's saying, actually, the kingdom of God is now. It's expanding. It's breaking in. I've come. He trains 12 men. He dies on the cross. He rises from death. He then sends those 12 out. He says, go into all the world and proclaim the good news. Every tribe, every nation, every people. It's no longer going to be this little group in Israel, Jerusalem. You're going to spill out. And if we follow the book of Acts, what do you have? You have the gospel breaking forth to the Gentiles. And it was Peter. Go to see the centurion. And it, it breaks out there. And then we take Apostle Paul, who's the apostle to the Gentiles. And more and more churches are planted. Eventually, you reach the center of the known world at that time, Rome. And the gospel goes forth. And when you fast forward then to the end of the story, you look in Revelation, we get a sneak peek of how the story ends. And what do we find? We find a throne with there's someone on the throne, the lamb as though he's been slain, that's Jesus. And before him it says there is a multitude that cannot be numbered from every tribe, nation, people, and language. The gospel has gone forth everywhere, all over the world. It touched every people group. And that is what I believe God has called us to, to be a, a church that grows numerically. That actually, I look at the end of the story and I think there's a, a multitude that can't be numbered. So if I look here and think, I can count you guys, which I can. I have a maths degree. I can cope with all of you. We haven't got enough. There's more people who can know the great name of Jesus. And I believe God has called us to do that as a church. Whereas we were coming to plant the church, many people prophesied over us, over the church, and kind of spoke into what we're doing. And the general sense was God was going to grow you numerically. Not for our glory, for our fame, because we think that's the most important thing. No, but because we want more and more people to come to know Jesus. We want more and more people to come to know Him. And that is our heart. It's all for His glory and His fame. And that is our heart. One of the, th one of the ones, I'll pick out one that someone spoke to us, was that when um, my son Levi, who's now five, it's scary, before we came, he was, he was seven months old when we arrived. Um, but they, they prophesied over us, and they said... Um, Levi was a big baby, not a huge baby, but he was a big baby. He was 8 pounds 13 when he was born. And when, they, when you get a baby, the NHS give you this red book where you have to track everything, you have to go to the meetings, meet the midwife, meet the blah, blah, blah. And they weigh him and they measure him. And Levi was on the percentile. He was 95th percentile, which means he was like, on average, he was way above every other baby. And it was embarrassing sometimes when you took him. It looked like he'd eaten one of the other children. You know, you lay him down and you're like, oh, my life, who have you eaten? You count them again, make sure they're all still there. But he was, he was a big baby. Um, and someone prophesied and said, as your son is, is grown and he's kind of the 90th percentile, so real life church will grow like that. It will be in that 90th percentile. You will grow kind of ahead of the curve. And we were like, wow, that's something big to take on board. But we, by faith, we say, okay, God, if you said that, we're going to believe that and we're going to pray into that and we're going to say, if that's what you've promised us, do it amongst us. We can't by your glory. So that's what we feel God's calling us to. The second one is to be an influential church. The story of God's people throughout the Bible is that God has used men and women in places of great influence for his kingdom. Many of them in, in kind of ungodly power structures, ungodly kind of civilizations and, and kingdoms. God has used them for his purposes in there to be an influence um, in that place. Some examples would be Joseph, the who became the prime minister of Egypt. Godless pagan nation. Joseph, through a set of circumstances, from up here, through prison, 
through being accused of rape, being a slave, he's suddenly the prime minister, second only to Pharaoh. And God speaks to Pharaoh in a dream. Joseph interprets it, and what happens? He saves the nation of Egypt, but not just the nation of Egypt, the world around it, the known world around it, because they had no food. The family said, you store up the food. And God used him powerfully. We have people like Daniel, the advisor in Babylon. He served God faithfully there. And what happened? The pagan king ended up praising his God through Daniel's faithfulness and actually refusal to bow down to an idol. Say, I'm not going to do that. And, and even under threat of death. We've got Queen Esther. Read the story of Esther in the Persian kind of kingdom, another pagan kingdom. But God used her to actually save the Jewish people through her courage and her willingness to kind of sacrifice herself, but God used her. There's Nehemiah, who was again in Persia, the cupbearer to the king, and God used him to go back to Jerusalem, which had been destroyed at that time, and rebuild the walls. And actually God's kingdom advances there. They had positions of authority, and when Jesus spoke to his followers, what did he say? He said, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He said, you're to go and you're to bring flavor. The salt brings out flavor, it prevents decay. In situations, you're to be a light, which means when you go somewhere, you just shine. When you take a light into a dark place, it shines. My two boys, for some reason, they love torches and lights. We got them a torch for Christmas, one of those little kind of rubber torch things. And they love to go into a room, turn on their lights, and turn the lights off, pull the curtains, and, just turn and run around in the dark and just shine it at stuff. And they just think that's the best game in the world. Somewhat dangerous, you know, because when they're running. But... They love it. And when you go in there and you just you turn a light on, it just illuminates everything. And it, you can't hide it. And it doesn't have to do anything. A torch just shines. You don't have to tell it. it just, it's there. It's shining. You don't have to say, come, keep shining, keep going. It just does it. it just, and that's what we're called to be. And God spoke to us as we were coming to kind of start the church. And one of the verses he brought out was one in Jeremiah 29, which I've read to you numerous times, but I'm going to read it again. Jeremiah 29, verses 5 to 7, it says, Jeremiah is speaking to the exiles who've been taken from Jerusalem and are now in Babylon. And Jerusalem has been destroyed, their home, their city, and they've been carted off somewhere else to a pagan place, a pagan city. Not too dissimilar where we find ourselves now. And they're now exiles in this place. And this is what Jeremiah said to them. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live with them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exiles and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. My heart of us as a church is to be a place where we, be, we seek the good of the, the city we are in. Wherever you find yourself in, whatever, wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you hang out, whichever social group you run in, that you would be a good influence in that place for God's kingdom. Most of us spend most of our time either asleep or at work. That consumes a lot of our time, and work can be paid employment, it can be raising children, it can be many things. But that's where we find ourselves. And my heart for us as a church is wherever you spend most of your time, which will be We'll, we'll, we'll count out sleeping, but the kind of work bit, that you are an influence for God's kingdom in that place, that you are used by God powerfully. You spend more time there than you do here. This isn't the be-all and end-all of church. It's a very important meeting, and I'm glad you're all here. Don't hear I'm not saying, but you spend most of your time out there. 
And our prayer is that you would be used powerfully of God in those workplaces, that God would use you to be in the areas of finance and business, that you'd be godly employers or employees, in the areas of law and education and the caring industries and the arts and sports and recreation, wherever God finds you, that you would be used powerfully and influential for his kingdom, that you would see this kind of place not as a somewhere you're passing through, but somewhere you're saying, I am giving myself to this. That prophecy to the, um, the exiles in Babylon was actually, you stick down roots, you're going to be here a while, act like it. We've come to this city and we've bought a house. We've had a child, our second son, Ash, was born here. He is a Brummy. Can't get around that. He's probably going to grow up a Villa fan. I'm going to deal with that, you know? But that's where we're going. We, we've bought a house. It says, when they grow up, we're going to take wives for our sons. Okay, that's a long way off, but we're thinking about it. We're already praying for them. Um, it says, you know, plant vineyards. It's, Give yourself to the produce of the city. Take jobs. Work for the city. Seek its good. Seek its benefit. That's what our heart is. That's how we're going to be an influential church. Just thinking uh, in one part of it, this place here we meet. Um, we've been meeting here almost two years, and already we've had an influence on it. We've had an influence on how it's run, on, on kind of thing. We paid for this flooring you can see under here as a church. It was really horrible and old before. If you remember that, I'm sorry. But, and, and as a result, this paying for the flooring has made our environment nicer for a couple of hours a week. But for everyone else who uses this building for the rest of the week, which is most of the time, they love it. And they speak well of us as a church because we pay for it. The dancers who come in here and the people who perform and the bands. And, and I think there's even a play sort of scheme. We use it now like a toddler thing that hire it. Because it's got a nice floor now. And it's not a horrible place to come. We've, we've, we've done something. We've, we've done work parties, cleared up the outside, and just try to be a positive influence on this place and help out where we can. Not because we want anything back, but because we want to be, be good to them. We want to seek their welfare. Last thing, Reproducing. Reproducing. We do not want to be someone that just, the blessing that God's given us terminates on us. We don't want us to be a place where just, you know, we're given stuff and it just kind of comes back on us and we just enjoy it and that's it. We want to be somewhere that we actually reproduce ourselves and we go on and on and we multiply. Jesus, um, when he, he told his, his disciples, didn't he, what did he say? He said, go and proclaim this good news. Go and multiply. You read the book of Acts and it's a story of multiplication, a story of reproducing. They preach the gospel, people get saved. They plant churches. The churches then plant other churches. The gospel goes around all around that area, Asia Minor, into Greece, into Italy, Rome. And that is where it's in. There's one section in um, Acts chapter 13. If you read between there, Acts chapter 13 and halfway through Acts chapter 14, you find Paul and Barnabas being sent out from one church. And they, okay, where do they go? They plant churches in Cyprus, Perga, Antioch, in Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, And then they come all the way back and retrace their steps. I think that's five, five or six places they go and plant churches. They reproduce themselves. And Paul's command to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 was that he says, what you've heard from me, Paul, pass on to faithful men who will teach others. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and then others. There's that reproducing of the knowledge of the gospel, which is what we want to do. We don't want, I believe God has called us to be a church that plants other churches. I don't know where, I don't know when. I just think that that's in our future, and that's something that we should be in faith for and in prayer for, that as we grow and multiply, God will put places on other people's hearts and say, I think we should go and plant a church there, I think we should be doing something over here, and we will reproduce ourselves and send out men and women to be involved in starting other churches. The, um, 
the, 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 the kind of the image that we've been living with, that God spoke to us four times as we come, we're coming to Plotley Church, four times by four different people in four different places. And when God speaks to you that many times, I, I think it's good to take note. Just throw that out there for you. Um, and that was the image of the strawberry plant. And uh, he spoke to us, and he kind of people come to us and say, I think this real life church is going to be like a strawberry plant, which is like nice, but I don't know what a strawberry plant does or is. I know what strawberries are, I like them in jam and on scones. But I don't know what a strawberry plant, but uh, so I did some digging and I, I went online and I looked up what a strawberry plant was. And it's amazing how many gardening websites there are out there. Scary amount. But I just found the top one and looked at a strawberry plant. And they said, well, a strawberry plant, you put it in the ground, wild strawberries, and it grows, and it's great. Then it sends out runners, which are like little shoots. Along, they run along the ground. They go into the ground, and then into the ground they plant, and they produce another plant. So one plant becomes two. And then eventually, I think that the runner actually shows up, and you've got two plants. But then what they do is they start multiplying again. And what you can have, if you see a patch of wild strawberries, it's a real kind of mishmash of plants and runners multiplying and multiplying and they can go berserk and I think God's called us to be that to send out runners to go into the ground to plant more churches and then that runner will probably eventually shrivel up and the church will be an autonomous body of its own and will be going on doing what God's called it to do but that's in our future so that is what God has called us to is that exciting yeah fantastic right answer all right so that's just a general, that's where we're going. Let me just quickly recap to finish on some of the things God said to us last year. This time last year, I stood up before you and I said, Phil, we've, God's been asked some, kind of prompting us on doing some things. We put together what we call 12 steps. It was 12 steps of 2014. And there were 12 things that we wanted to kind of do that year that we kind of felt a sense of God in. Some of them were kind of things we thought, okay, that might be quite easy to do. Some of them were like, whoa, there might be a bit of a stretch, but we'll, we'll see that. And in faith, we went into that year boldly and said, actually, we're going to do these things. And I want to quickly go through them with you. The first one was to pray together monthly, church at prayer. We wanted a place where we would gather corporately and pray together and I felt it was so important that what we would do is we wouldn't have our midweek meetings that week our small groups would say no and we'd all come together as a prayer and uh, to pray and I felt there were pros and cons to this some of the cons was you maybe you, you miss a week in your small groups you don't get that kind of more intimate setting and I thought okay that's that's not a good thing but the pros are that we gather together in a larger context it's our biggest meeting outside this one really in the sense of actually we can all come together for it we've got two hours of uninterrupted time of prayer and worship God speaks to us we get to meet kind of uh, more people than just your small groups it's a wider context you get to pray with people if you want to connect with someone the best thing you can do is pray for them because you get something of their heart you get something a heart for them because you get that sense of what God is wanting for them which is always greater than how we feel for them anyway and so praying together, it become, my heart is it becomes the engine room of the church where the power is, where we pray and meet God. And if you've been coming to those over the last you know, uh, year, they've been incredible times of encounter, God speaking to individuals, God speaking to us as a church, wonderful. So we big hit on those. This Wednesday, come along, pray, start the year right. So we, we, we did them, they were brilliant. Second one, we said we'd study the Gospel of John together. We set ourselves to preach through the entire Gospel of John over a year. Almost made it. Almost made it. I think we've got four weeks left, which we'll kick off once we finish this. We'll go into John and we'll, we'll round out the Gospel of John. But I hope you had a great time studying the Gospel of John with us. Incredible story of Jesus from one of his closest friends. Um, if you've missed any of them, they're all online. Go and listen to some of the sermons. But we did that. So the Gospel of John. 
So third thing, we invited a, a, prophet, a prophet to visit, a friend of ours named Julian, um, someone from the outside. We invited him, he came in September, no, we had to move in the beginning of October. He came, I think, and he spent an evening with us. Uh, we hired a venue, we all got together, and it was an incredible time. What he preached is on the website, you can go and have a listen to that if you missed that. But he also, he spoke a number of things to us as a church, a number of things to individuals. We're actually in the process of meeting with those individuals, just helping them weigh and test what God has said. But also, some of the things he spoke to the church, I'll unpack more next week, because I think they're going to shape some of where we're going this week. But if you were at that meeting, if you were, hands up. Excellent. It was a fantastic time um, of God ministering to us. So that was brilliant. So another big tick on that. Fourth one was do Christmas and Easter bigger and better. Easter, we had the bun parties. Can anyone remember this? I had to really kind of think about this because Easter was a long time ago now. You know, I know it's only like what, eight months, but it felt like a long time ago. We had a great time there. We had the bun parties on Good Friday. We basically said, just invite your neighbors around. Everyone's off pretty much on Good Friday. Have some you know, cock cross buns, have some juice, have some coffee, and just hang out and have fun together. We ran five of them in different locations where people just invite their friends. We had a great time. A whole bunch of people came along. We had the Easter egg hunt the following afternoon, which unfortunately got rained off. It was terrible rain. But then we moved it and had a great time. Unfortunately, we moved it to September. But it was awesome, wasn't it? It was great. Wasn't that brilliant? We had an Easter egg hunt in September. The kids didn't care. They got chocolate, you know, and so we had that. That was a great time. And then we had our Sunday morning Easter meeting. Then we did Christmas this year, which is very recent, which was far and away our biggest stuff we've ever done. That was wonderful. If you were involved in that, we had an epic time there. If you, especially if you were at the carol service. Who came to the carol service? It was, I was, I kind of knew what was happening, but I, when I still, when I turned up, I thought, oh my life, what's going on here? But it was brilliant. And we had so many people leaving saying things like, no joke, best carol service they've ever been to. Score. And I thought, that's brilliant. Best character. They loved it. They loved the nativity. They loved the singing the band when they sang that song. Uh, Mary, did you know? Wonderful. Epson time. Mentally, so brilliantly. That web, was on the website. So we had a great time. And the Messy Christmas and Cusick Cost were also brilliant. So I think we kind of hit that. We want to do Christmas bigger and better. And I think we did a great job there. The next one, uh, Acoustic Costa, which is our kind of our um, music night, which we do at the Windley Leisure Centre over there. We want to do a run, run a bunch of them. I think we were in four or five last year. They like us there. They ask us to come back. Um, they Apparently the baristas would argue over who's on that night because they get to listen to some of our great musicians just playing kind of songs. You get to chill out. Good food, good coffee because it's Costa. They provide it. Um, and we had a great time there. So very good. Dave has been kind of heading that up for us. So big thanks to Dave on that. But they were some great times. Who went to an acoustic Costa last year? Excellent. Well done. This is good. So we had some great times at the next one, the Catalyst Festival. Just a little plug for this year's one, but I'm going to talk about last year. Last year, Catalyst Festival is about three and a half thousand Christians descend on the agricultural showground in Coventry, not far from here. And we have a few days where we camp together, go to meetings. There's meetings from the kids all the way up to the adults, seminars, great worship times. If you've never been in a context where there's 2,000 people worshiping Jesus together, led by an awesome band, make a point of getting involved in one of those times. We camp together, we hire a marquee as a church, massive marquee so we can eat together. The church provides the caterers and all the food so you don't even have to worry about eating that weekend. It took, I think there's over 50 of us from Real Life Church went and we had an awesome time. Who went to Cadiz Festival last year? Yeah! <laughs> awesome. Apparently, just a little plug, I think there's about over 30 booked in already this year from us. 
just say, so, just say you know, if you want to get booked in, please, um, details will be on the email this week. But we had a great time there last year. A lot of people met with God, God spoke to them. We had, so, had fun time. Also, it's a great time just hanging out together. When you're, you're stuck with each other, when I say stuck, I mean that joyous being around each other for four days in a row, and you're living under canvas, you can't hide anything. Even if you want to have an argument with your wife, or to have to discipline the kids, everyone hears, even when you're in a tent, will you be quiet? You know, it just carries. So it's a wonderful time, and you've got to eat together and be together. So Catalyst Festival was fantastic. God did so many great things. The next thing, the Great Midlands Fun Run. Um, we had this, this event is the single biggest community event in Sutton Colton. I don't know if you're aware of that. The single, there's 7,000 people running it, let alone who watch, which is probably the same, if not more. 14,000 people, 15,000 people turn out for this event. There were 20 of us who ran last year, loads more people who came and cheered them on. We, we set ourselves a goal to raise 1,000 pounds for an, a charity. We raised money for people outside of ourselves, not just for us. So we, we raised um, for a charity called Home Start, which helps um, those with small children kind of getting a start in life. Um, we, we set our goal to raise 1,000 pounds. I think we went up to over 1,300. So we hit that. We had an awesome time. Then afterwards, we went back to Paul and Catherine's, had a barbecue in the beautiful sunshine. That was excellent. So really good time. Well done to those who run, well done to who cheered and had a great time. And it's interesting, we do something like that, the ripple effects. Um, after the event, we all ran out and we had T-shirts with the church logo on and Homestar on and they were garishly colored so everyone could see us as we ran around. Um, but the next day, I think, Melanie took Levi to nursery um, and his nursery teacher had been at the race and said, oh, I saw you guys running in the race. What do you mean? He said, oh, yeah, I saw, I saw you all run past. I saw your husband run past. I saw the others. They all had the T-shirts on. She was like, wow, I didn't even know you were there. I didn't even know you lived local. But they saw something. I was at a meeting just, just before Christmas while someone else was there saying, it came up about the fun run. I didn't bring it up. Someone else brought it up. And they said, oh, yeah, you guys all ran in the fun run, didn't you? So what do you mean? He said, oh, I saw the Real Life Church guys go past with their T-shirts on and stuff. And I'm thinking... The ripple effect of what we're doing, just being out there, trying to serve the community, be part of something, bless them, um, has been fantastic. So, well done for the Great Midlands Fun Run. Alpha was the next one. We set our task. We're going to run our first Alpha course. It started, I think, September or October. We had a bunch of um, people came on it. It was a fantastic time. Uh, they haven't quite finished. I think they're going to do a couple of follow-up ones at the beginning of this year. Um, He's been running the home. Melanie and Katie have been involved in running that. The people invited their friends. It's been an incredible time. Talk to the guys who've been involved in it. God's been doing things in people's life. Everyone on the course ended up at the carol service. So they all come to see what God has been doing amongst us. And many of them are making big steps forward on their journeys to get to know Jesus and ask those big questions. So that has been brilliant. The ninth thing we said was we were going to upgrade our website which is now live and running. It's got all our dates and our calendars on it. You can get the sermons on it. You can even podcast. So they just, the sermons get automatically zapped to your phone or tablet, which is really good. It means you'll never miss one because it just happens. I don't know how it happens, but it happens automatically. My one just gets, it just gets updated. So you can podcast. So please go and check out our website. Sign up for our news uh, letter on there. That's gone really well. So that's all up, running function. It's even a responsive website. Did you know that? So when you check it on your tablet or phone, it all changes so it fits with the little screen rather than the big computer one. You know, try it. If you, oh, you should all be nodding, saying, yeah, who goes, whose home, who's homepage on their, their browser is our website? Okay, I need more hands up than that. I need more. When you click on open, it should be real, real life. Ch- okay. 
just, I'll leave that one with you in the Holy Spirit, okay? <laughs> the tenth one, this is one of our flyers. This was actually, we, um, we said we wanted to ch- the toilets at the youth center. The to- our toilets are out there. Um, if you haven't been, if, if you haven't been, don't. Um, no, just kidding. Just kidding. Wait to go. Um, they're not very pretty, but it is a council-run youth center. It's, you know, it's what you get. And we, we set ourselves, we said, we want to bless this place. How can we do it? And we said, well, maybe we could talk to them about, you know, doing something with their toilets. Maybe give them some money, help upgrade it, clean them, do something to make it better. And that's the kind of conversation we started. But then it came more apparent that the floor was more of an issue. And so we said to them, well, we would love just to pay for your floor. They fell over. They got back up and said, are you serious? They said, yeah, we would just pay the entire bill to have this floor redone. It hadn't been done for years. It was horrible. It was a sort of place that when you brought small children, our boys were really small at the time, they would crawl around on the floor during the meeting and would take them home and change them and, and wash their hands. It was like, so we said, we're just going to do that. And so we blessed them in that sense, and that was money that we had as a church. We just said, we're just going to pay for that. And the, um, the, the, kind of res- the, the results have been spectacular. It makes this place nice. A lot of people are now hiring the building because it's a bit more placeable to be in. Um, and we're doing that. So although we didn't do the toilets per se, I think we did something that has really blessed them. We had some work passed over the summer where we just cleared the outside. We just said we just want to chop back all the trees and, and clear it up and just make it nice. And we jet washed the path outside and did those kind of things. And so although we didn't do the toilets as such, I think we hit that in terms of we want to be a blessing. Just so you know, toilets are still on the agenda. We're going to have a chat with them and see if there's anything we can do to help them with that. The 11th thing we said was we wanted to serve the poor. And we wanted to get involved in the food bank. And it just so happened that the URC church in town, in the middle of the one-way system, um, were just starting a food bank. And we went to them and said, look, do you mind if we, we, just, we help you? We donate to you. You've done the heavy lifting and getting it started. Can we kind of just start donating um, some food to you? And they, they pulled our arm and said, we'd love it. And so we put out um, a, a basket here every week and said, if you want to just put some, some food in it, extra bit in your shopping, just coming here, we'll go and give it to the youth centre. And the response from you guys has been stunning. So much so that actually when it got round to Christmas, they had to come and say, could you stop? <laughs> we've, got, we've got a backlog. We've got so much, we don't need anything. So we've said for the last few weeks, we've said, um, don't give anything just yet, but we'll kick back in in a, in a week or two. But you guys have been so generous and so good, and they've loved us. And Henry and Utter from the URC Church who run it have actually been here to just say thank you and talk a little bit about what they've done and the number of families they've served. Because even though we live in a more affluent area of the city, there are many those who literally don't have the money to buy groceries, to buy their food. And so it's been used to bless them, and you've been part of that. And so I want to thank you uh, for that. The last thing we did, we said we want to do, was to multiply um, our life group. We had three at the time. We wanted another one. Uh, we were looking at possibly starting a, a, a life group in another sort of another town outside. We had to put that on hold because... It, one of our one of our, our twelve step wasn't to have another church join us. I just want to just put that out there. But God, in His wisdom, brought Sutton Christian Fellowship to us, and we've two churches have become one, and we're now moving forward. And that that, that then helped force the issue of right. We need to multiply a life group to integrate all these people and and pull it all together. And that has gone wonderfully, I think. Can anyone else nod and think that's gone really well? Good, because it was <laughs> going that's wrong very badly. We we have an issue, but we've. We've grown numerically um, as a church, and uh, I'm thrilled at new people coming in, getting stuck in, getting integrated into life group. We've run some of our membership stuff this year. We're going to welcome some new people who want to say, I am Real Life Church next Sunday. 
as kind of just part of that process of us acknowledging that we're one body together on a mission and we're all part of this. It's not just about a few people doing a job. It's about all of us saying, I'm part of this church and I want to play my part. So we managed to do that, multiply a life group. And so from my reckoning on those 12, I think we've hit them all in a pretty good way. Is that fair to say? Good. So there is much to thank God for. But also I just want to just highlight some two of the most significant things that God did this year, I think, in our church weren't even on the list. Two of the most significant, for me, the two, most, two of the most significant things were one, having Sutton Christian Fellowship join us. That wasn't one of the 12 steps. The other one was the transformation that's happened in here with the youth center allowing us to hang our speakers, put up our um, banner, or sorry, our screen, the, the sign that's out there that Phil Yates designed, and we, we have that up permanently, um, and the one on the outside when you come in that says, come as you are, they're, they're ours, having the breakfast bar put out there, we put that in, and all those things weren't in that planning, but actually God just kind of put them on our, put them on our kind of radar, on our agenda. And for me, they are the two biggest things that have happened in the year, not to de- devalue all the other stuff. And so part of me thinks, even when we make our plans, God says, I've got more. <laughs> and I've got bigger and better stuff that you can't even think about. And for me, that makes me even more thankful. I'm thankful that our little ideas that we wrote down, thought, I think we might be able to hit these, you know, by the grace of God. And God says, yep, you can have all them. And guess what? I'm giving you a couple more giving you a couple more because I love you and I want to bless you and that's the heart of God and that hopefully in me and hopefully in you it brings a heart of thankfulness of what God has done and I'd just like to end on that note that actually we need to be a thankful people that's why I want to take this opportunity let's look back well before we look forward to 2015 and say God you're amazing God you're awesome and whatever kind of connection you have with those one of those you might be particularly involved in others I think I didn't really know about that but be thankful today. We're going to praise and worship now. Do you want to stand up? Can the band come back up? We're going to spend some time singing and worshiping before the kids come back in. But I'd just love us just to take a moment. Maybe you want to just close your eyes for a second and think back through that list. Think about your personal journey, how you were brought to Real Life Church. You might have been here at the beginning of 2014. You might have joined, you know, during 2014. You might even be here first time. Thinking, you know, it's my first time today. Well, thank God that you're here with us this morning. <laughs> and your first time but maybe all you just take a moment and just think of one thing maybe two things you think I'm thankful that God that you did that I'm thankful that I was involved in that I'm thankful that you answered that prayer it might be one of that list it might be something totally different purely personal thing but whatever it is just make a point today that I'm going to be a thankful man I'm going to be a thankful woman and say thank you to God maybe you just want to speak it out now just say thank you to God for, and then name it. It's always good to be specific. Name it. Say, God, I want to thank you that you did that. Thank you that you answered that prayer. Thank you that you provided that. You came through on that. And be a thankful. <coughs> Maybe even as you're saying it, God will start dropping more and more things into you so you can be more and more thankful. And just keep thanking him. Keep thanking him. Lord Jesus, I want to say at the beginning of 2015, looking back over the last 12 months, thank you, Lord. I want to say thank you for all that you've done. I want to say thank you for you, how you've You've answered our prayers. You've met our expectations. But I want to thank you that you've exceeded them, that you've gone beyond them, that there's things you've done that I think I couldn't even have imagined that a year ago. I couldn't even, that didn't even cross my mind in my wildest dreams what you've done. Lord, and I want to thank you that you're that sort of God, a gracious and kind God, a God of blessings, a God of goodness, a God of wonder and majesty who takes our frail efforts and multiplies them to glorify your wonderful name.
Lord Jesus, I want to say thank you. And I say, God, make us a thankful people. Cause us to be a thankful people. Cause us never to neglect your blessings or be indifferent to them. Or, you know, like familiarity breeds contempt. Let us never get too familiar with what you've got, what you've done for us, and what you're capable, Lord. Lord, I want to say thank you. And God's people said, 